You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 289. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm David Cohen. So, David, we said we were going to record Sunday um, this week because things were happening that we we needed time to absorb and, and experience, and we couldn't do that if we were to record it on our regularly scheduled Friday day. That's certainly true, but it turns out we couldn't record it on Friday evening if we wanted to. No, no. would have been impossible for me, and uh, we'll get into that reason why, but... The two things that we said we wanted to talk about is Mario Run for iOS, and we're going to talk about that here at the top of the show, as well as Star Wars Rogue One. And I'm going to give you guys a heads up right now. We're going to spoil the crap out of the movie. So if you don't want to know, if you have not seen Rogue One, don't listen to the second half of the show because that's what this podcast is going to be about. We'll get all of the stuff, yeah. you know, at, when we're done talking about uh, our sponsor, MaxSales.com, right after that, we're going into Rogue One. So we'll give you plenty of warning, but don't be mad yeah. at me if we spoil the show for you because you have advance notice. <laughs> We've seen it. We're going to talk about it. So that's yep. that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be so funny if having said that we just got straight to it right yeah, now. <laughs> went right into it it wouldn't make anybody mad would it <laughs> oh man so let's uh let's back up a little bit you know and first let's get really really geeky and and talk about why we couldn't record friday other than the fact yeah. that we had planned sunday anyways and that was because my Mac died. So which one died? The iMac? No, well, I don't have an iMac anymore, remember? You didn't? Oh, right. Okay. I got rid oh, of... that's right. No, the iMac died mm-hmm. a while back. Mm-hmm. Logic Board went. Yeah. Logic Board, and uh, I sold it for more money than I would have expected to sell it for. The, the monitor that's still right. worked fine. Just the motherboard and the machine itself was shot. And... Uh, yeah. It, you know, I I was bummed. It was a fast machine. It it did its job really well. But I had another machine, and that was a 15-inch MacBook Pro. That worked perfect. It had an SSD in it. Not as much internal storage, but, I, you know, I've been using it for well over a year as my main computer. Now, it's connected to a 27-inch monitor, so I really wasn't losing any screen real estate. Uh, in some respects, I actually gained screen real estate because I can always open up the lid on the 15-inch Mac and span my screen. So I'd have the 27 yeah. and the 15-inch. Although, to be honest, I, I didn't do that very often. So I wasn't too bummed, David. No, well, a MacBook Pro nowadays is uh, is 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 not is not a rubbish machine. By any, well, they never were really. To be fair, the MacBook Pros have always been pretty capable over everything else in the line. Yeah, uh, you know, you could argue the power books. Some of the older power books were perhaps equivalent to a desktop equivalent, but uh, but certainly with the MacBook Pro now, they've always been uh, very capable computers. And quite honestly, my last job when I was traveling a lot, they gave me a computer to use. Yeah. So I I didn't have to take my laptop with me. And since I didn't have to, my 15-inch MacBook Pro was a glorified desktop machine. Mm-hmm. Well, 
a little while ago, I noticed that while the trackpad was working fine on it, the button wasn't. The mouse button on the trackpad. Yep. And that is pretty obviously what the problem was. That means mm-hmm. my battery was starting to swell up a little bit. Right. And that's not good. So I knew I was going to have to fix that. But I was, I've been well, a little yeah. lax with the holidays and mom dying and everything. And just, you yeah. know, my mind really was, and, and I, I never use a trackpad. So I kind of just, I didn't, it's not that I forgot about it. It just wasn't high on my priority list right then. Well, the problem, I presume this was a unibody Mac, yeah? Yes. So swapping the battery out on that, unless you've got the original unibody Mac, MacBook Pro, is not an easy thing. You have to take the bottom off and basically pull the battery out of there. It's kind of glued in. Yep. And the, the the newer the MacBook Pro, the more glued in it is. Well, this one is um, a 2012. Yeah. So... See, I, my, my 15-inch MacBook Pro is a 2009, and that was the first unibody one. And that one you could just – there was a little port you could just unplug and take the battery out and replace it. It was pretty much replaceable. But after that, then they started making it more difficult. So newer yeah. technology, um, subsidiary of Otherworld Computing, MacSales.com, has a battery replacement for this machine. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was planning on doing after the holidays was – plunking the money down and getting one of those uh it's not super expensive but it's not cheap either and you do have to have a special screwdriver right and it was in my plans well last well this week my ssd just decided you know what that's enough and it happened during an os update Apple released a new update. I was in the midst of installing it, and the hard drive failed. Now, did the hard drive fail? Was that a coincidence when this update hit, or did it fail because the update did something it shouldn't have done? I don't know. The problem with with SSDs is they can just go. They do wear out. They're not as hardy, even though they don't have any physical parts in, they're not as hardy as a hard drive in that um, if a bunch of cells in those fails and the drive can't do anything more, it will just kind of keel over. So um, that could have been it. It could have been completely unrelated to the battery issue. It might have been directly related. It could have been the update. It could have been anything. Who knows? Yep. I, I have a feeling, though, I don't believe in coincidences much coincidences i i think that the os was doing something and it just the ssd did not like it i think it corrupted something yeah and it made this ssd completely unusable the problem is well let me back up you remember i bought that 17 inch macbook pro a while back Mm -hmm. and i put a, a a new well it wasn't new but it was a unneeded 128 gigabyte ssd i put that in there in a new battery and it was like a new machine Mm -hmm. but it's only 128 gigs which is fine for me as a portable taking it around with me but as my main computer it's really not i i can't do anything with that yeah very little so initially i plugged that machine in hooked most of my stuff to that sans 
my uh, monitor because there, I don't have an adapter for the DVI on that older MacBook Pro to. Yeah, this is this is a pre unibody, so right. it only has a it has a full DVI connector on one side. Right, and you can yeah. you can convert that to a Display Port, but I don't have that, and I wasn't about to go out and buy one for a machine that I knew I was only going to use temporarily. Yeah. So, but I did connect my Voyager S3, my external dock, to it via USB, put my now bad SSD in that, and try to access it through the 17-inch, hoping maybe I can repair permissions, or at the very least, nuke it, and then restore from my time machine. Yeah. I'm not worried about losing files. I'm pretty good at backing up. And I think yeah. I backed up maybe two days before. All my media, all my pictures, and all my music have been backed up. Uh, but even if they hadn't been, they're all on external media anyway. They're not internal. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think my pictures are internal. doesn't matter because I had just backed them up. So right. I, I wasn't too concerned about losing data. I might lose two days' worth of email and I'll live. But everything's there. I mean, I, I've got it all in backup. I plug this, new, my now dead SSD in, and it doesn't even read. It doesn't mount. The Mac doesn't see it. I go into command line. I can't see it in command line either. It's just, it's deader than a doornail. So it could be, it's probably the controller that's failed. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because um, unfortunately, the thing is with, an S, with a, a the, there are places that if you have a bad physical hard drive and you were really wanting to get the data back, you could send it to them and they would basically take the controller board off and put a new controller board on and then access the platters that way. But with an SSD, you just can't even do that because the thing is one unit. Um, and even though it looks like a hard drive to your computer, it's not really. It's all smoke and mirrors and electronic jiggery-pokery making the thing work and then making it look like a hard drive. And if that bit dies, you've had it. By the same token, SSDs are much more reliable than a standard hard drive. Yeah, but they are. But the thing is, is this is they, they don't gracefully fail. They yeah. either work or they don't. And if they don't, then the thing is a piece of junk. Right. Um, and that's why um, you back up. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's why Hopefully. you have archives and backups. Because if yeah. you don't, I don't care what kind of hard drive in there, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah, you're gonna so at some point you're going to have a very bad day. Yep. So I was left with a choice. I can replace the hard drive and the battery in the 15-inch MacBook Pro because I can't even get the bottom back on it now because of the swollen battery. Mm-hmm. Or I can replace it. And to fix it is going to be a minimum of 550 bucks. And remember, this is, you know, not a brand new machine. Yeah. And I miss my iMac. I really do. So I made the decision that I'm not going to fix it. I'm going to replace it. But in the meantime, I am actually using it right now. The, the bottom is off. The battery's still in there, but the bottom is off. It's there, but it's... It's not screwed in or anything. It's basically sitting on the bottom of the case mm-hmm. uh, on a raised platform on my desk. And the 128 gigabyte SSD that was in my 17-inch MacBook Pro is now in the 15. And the only reason I did that is so I can temporarily use this machine until I get a replacement and I can use my 27-inch monitor. It was really right. about using my 27-inch monitor more than anything mm-hmm. because I'm still stuck in 128 gigabyte land. And so yeah. we're recording this on that other SSD, which 
I trimmed as much as I possibly could out of that, and it's still, you know, seventy percent full. Yeah, if you um, if you've got any sort of library on there, pictures or no, it's all apps at this point. It's all apps, right? Yep. And it's stuff that I do need on a daily basis. So, and plus the OS and my email, my email actually that's what takes a lot of the space right there. But it is fine for a few days. It really is. And if I didn't do as much as I do, namely these podcasts and having so many linked files in Dropbox, I don't have Dropbox on here either because it would be full. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, 120 gig nowadays is, is no, feels cramped good. even on an iPad. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone a Mac. It's pretty, it's pretty you know. anemic. Yeah. So, I have, uh, yeah, I, I think the last, smallest drive I have in any of my computers now is a 240 gig SSD. Uh, and actually this uh, MacBook Pro I'm using here has a 512 gig SSD in, which is lovely. Yeah. I bought this off my brother. He, he, he was doing video on it so he had a bigger ssd put in and, and yeah it's great so i am going to replace it and i've already made uh my purchase it hasn't arrived yet it's probably not going to be here until tuesday it ships monday and i got it from MacSales.com because remember david we've talked about in the past they sell used macs so mm-hmm. i was left with a choice i can get i'm going to pull up apple site because i want to have accurate numbers here Apple.com and Mac. I swear they just want to. Not not MacBook Pro. I want iMac. They just want to sell you what they want to sell you, and that's it. They don't yeah. want to. They don't want to give you. It's their store is just not great. All right, I got it up now. So I, I have a choice. I could buy a brand new iMac, or I could buy a pre-used iMac. So. I really started doing some research. Now, the entry-level iMac is a 1.6 gigahertz processor with one terabyte of storage. That and eight gigs of RAM. 1.6 gigahertz. With one terabyte of RAM. That sounds very slow. It sounds... That sounds... That sounds suspiciously like the MacBook Air. Hmm, is, have that. they put a big screen on the MacBook Air? And I think they have. It's one thousand ninety nine dollars. Yeah. So that one's out immediately. The high end twenty seven inch. I don't need a twenty seven inch because I've already got a twenty seven inch screen. Yeah. It's still very attractive though. Um, you know, you get the the five K Retina display. It is 27 inches. Um, comes with eight gigs of RAM, a two terabyte Fusion drive. I mean, it's it's 3.3 gigahertz. It sounds like a really good machine. The problem there is 2,300 dollars. A lot of money. That's a lot of money. And remember, the RAM on it is the RAM on it. You're not updating the RAM. Yeah, you can choose. You can choose to configure it. When you buy it, you mm-hmm. can specify extra RAM at Apple's prices, but you're not putting your own RAM in there because no. it's soldered into the board. So since I knew I don't really, I don't need another 27-inch monitor, I kind of settled that, you know what, I'm going to get a 21-inch iMac, smaller footprint, I can still connect my external monitor, and then I'll have a 21 and a 27-inch screen right in front of me. Yeah. And because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm almost, yeah. go ahead. 
I was going to say I have a twenty-one and a half inch, and you know what? It's a great, it's a great, and they're, and they're not rubbish screens, so no. it's a great screen. And if you are sat right in front of it, it's it's plenty big. It is, but yeah. more. I didn't want. If I'm going to go with twenty-one, that means I'm not getting a Retina display. Yeah. Because I don't want a Retina display that's smaller and looks better than the bigger screen that I'm mostly going to be looking at. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, it does, yeah. I, I um, want to be looking at my 27-inch, and it's not a retina, yeah. so I don't want a better, yeah. smaller screen right next to it that's going to keep drawing that's, my attention. That's one of the downsides of retina, is that it looks so much better than anything it's next to. Mm -hmm. um, you can't use it with a non-retina screen, because it, it's it's like you know, you're constantly squinting at the bad screen. Right. You know, because not not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just your eyes adjusting to something that's very smooth, very uh, sharply defined versus something that's not is going to give you a headache. So there's my choice. I, I rule out a Retina 21 inch. So that leaves the standard 21 inch iMac. And I don't want the entry level one because it's too damn slow. Right. So that so leaves me with one machine, a 2.8 gigahertz processor one with one terabyte of storage. Except that's not SSD, David. That kind of sucks. You know what? This is you know, this is Apple saying, oh, "We recognise people who want an iMac don't want don't want small amounts of storage, but we're not prepared to put the money in to put an SSD in there." You know, and really, I mean, nobody should have just a hard drive in this day and age. Nobody should sell a computer with just a hard drive. Right. Even a terabyte drive. And frankly, a terabyte is nowadays is not that expensive. So here's so. my choice. There, it's it's thirteen hundred dollars, one thousand two hundred ninety nine dollars. It's thirteen hundred bucks. Okay, yeah. I get one terabyte of storage, eight gigs of RAM, two point eight gigahertz processor. It's not a bad machine by any stretch of the imagination. I would probably be happy with it, except I really want SSD, or at yeah. least a fusion drive. That's that would be ideal, a fusion drive. But the last thing you want to do is buy a brand new machine and immediately crack it open to try and upgrade it. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I don't really want to buy that machine. So then I go to our sponsor, MaxSales.com. And look, I'm not gonna we're not gonna put an ad in after the break for OWC because yeah. this is kind of an ad right here, but it's a real world ad because this is what I'm this is what I'm doing. And this is your money. This is not their money. They're not said, choose a machine, Tim, so you can talk about it. This is your money. Exactly. Yeah. So I jump on their site and I find what I consider, David, quite honestly, is the perfect machine for what I have described so far on this show, what I'm looking for. I want a uh -huh. non-Retina 21-inch iMac. They've got plenty of them. I would like more than, uh, you know, that, that anemic... 1.6 gigahertz processor. Well, they've got one with 2.9 gigahertz processor. And I would like more than one terabyte of storage with SSD. Well, guess what this one is? This one has two terabytes of storage with a 240 gig or SSD installed fusion drive. Right. So, and the price? 1219. It's $80 less than a comparable machine on Apple's site, but it's not comparable at all. This has twice as much memory, twice as much storage, more than twice as much storage because it's also a fusion drive. 
because it's yeah. got the 240 gigabyte Aura SSD. And it's faster. It's 2.9 rather than 2.8. That's a, that's a quad-core 2.9 as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. So it's actually got more processor power than the... Because the, the, uh, the one on, on Apple site is a dual-core. So you're getting two extra cores as well, yep. which means better, better multitasking, which is kind of what you're going to need for doing podcasting and video editing and that sort of thing. Better multitasking is going to help you out. I, I think... To me, this is a no-brainer. Now, yeah. because it's uh, it is uh, OWC, there's a warranty. Yeah, and I know what their customer service is like. I'm getting everything I want at a cheaper price. Yeah. I, how how could I not go with this? No, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, you know, this is this is the beauty of. Uh, I mean, this is this has kind of got better for everybody over the last few years because it used to be if you were buying used Macs, because you know they had around five percent of the market, there were fewer them around out there, so the the prices were harder yep. to find, and also as well the choices of configuration were much more difficult. But since you know Apple has become more successful in the desktop space and they've they've broadened their offerings, then you can you can go out and find it this, which is exactly what you're looking for, you know. So um, and I think it's yeah, a it's fair great. price. Yeah, absolutely. Now this absolutely. was a, a, a two thousand one hundred and fifty dollars when it was new. Yeah, I mean this was the top of the line twenty one inch iMac just a couple of years ago, yeah. and as we discussed on the show, Macs aren't getting any faster than they were just a couple of years ago. In fact, in some respects, are slower. Well, you look at the new MacBook Pros. Everyone's saying that they are slightly slower than the old ones, yeah. and they have much much worse battery life. Imagine so. that. <laughs> yeah. Apple's so in real not... trouble here with, with the Mac line. They really are in a lot of trouble. Yeah. They, the problem is, I think, in my, in my opinion, what they've done is they've delayed too long yep. um, because they're hoping for better stuff to come around, around, around the corner. It hasn't happened, so then they've had to jump, and they've come up with something that really is just a not-great product set. Yep. Um, uh, in fact, just as an aside before we get, we kind of finish off on the, on this topic, I actually did a presentation at my son's school last Monday, a careers presentation. I was asked to come in and talk about my job. And there was a guy there who had also been asked to come in, and he's an app developer, uh, iOS app developer. And he had a brand-new Touch Bar 13-inch MacBook Pro. Uh, but what he hadn't bothered to buy, presumably because, I don't know whether he bought it online or whatever, but he hadn't bothered to buy any dongles. So he had a machine he'd written a presentation on, uh, and he had no way of getting it into the computer, into the school's computer system, wow. because he didn't have. He had a USB thumb drive, but he didn't have a dongle for it, um, and he also couldn't hook his laptop up to the projector because he didn't have a dongle for that either. So he had to spend twenty-five minutes. In fact, I'd already finished my presentation before this guy turned up with his, because he had to spend twenty-five minutes trying to log onto the school network and trying to send them a Dropbox link, then getting one of their text to download it and put it on the USB. It was a whole great big thing. Now. I did kind of think to myself, look, as an app developer, you'd have thought maybe he would have known more about the machines to know that you need to get the dongles. But uh, who knows how he came by it, and maybe he's all about coding and not about hardware. But it just goes to show that, you know, these new machines are compromises. And frankly, I, if I'd been in his position, having just dropped nearly uh, £2,000 on a computer, I'd be pretty annoyed that the first time I tried to use it for something, it kind of failed me for whatever reason. So uh, yeah, yeah, not a great, not a great place, not yeah. a great place. Apple's in at the moment. So there's yeah. that. Are you moving something on your desk? Because it's I can hear it really well. 
Were you rubbing your legs or something? I was running my hands over the ports on my Mac, oh, thinking about USB leave. ports that I that <laughs> I don't have. I, I was I was I was unconsciously thinking about USB C ports, and I found my fingers running down over the multitude of ports I have on the side of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting this machine in. You know, when when David and I get back together uh, before Christmas. Uh, I will have this machine. I have done my migration, and I'll give an update on how that went. It should be fairly easy, I think, but we'll find out. I'm going to yeah. upgrade it to Sierra first, and then I will do um, the restore from my time machine. Okay. Uh, just to let you know, um, if you want to hold on to that 15-inch MacBook Pro, yep. I will buy that off you quite easily. Uh, maybe. Um, and and I'll do the work on it to bring it back into service. So we'll talk about that offline. Yeah. So that's what's going on with my Mac. That's that's the reason that we couldn't record on Friday. I am back up and running with scotch tape, duct tape, and some super glue holding everything together while we record. But you know what? It'll work until I get the new machine in. And I'm I'm actually excited. I really am. I'm like, I can't, I can't wait to get this new machine in. It's going to be a lot faster than this 15-inch. It's got twice. I've, I've been running with 8 gigs of RAM for a while now. So yeah. I'm looking forward to getting back into double-digit RAM. <laughs> it's got a faster processor. Everything should just be a lot better. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. The only thing, honestly, the only drawback is I can't close the screen on something, so I only have one monitor in front of me. I'm always going to have two. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bummer. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into solutions for that because... Most of the time, I don't want two screens, bright screens right in front of me. I just want the one, especially if I'm watching Netflix or something. You know, it's a distraction having that other screen lit up. Now, I could put a black so, background and stuff like that on it, but... Well, does does the 27-inch the monitor have a power button on the front? No. Well, no. I want to use the 20... Yes, it does, but I want to use the 27-inch right, so. monitor as my main screen. Ah, I see. Okay. So, so sitting right in that's, front of me will be the, the 27 to the right, at an angle, will be the 20, 21 so inch. you need to be able to kill the, the, kill the screen, screen on the iMac. Right. Okay, so there must be, I'm sure there must be software utilities to let you do that. And and if there isn't, I will just fashion, I'll have J, Julie fashion up a little cardboard, very thin cardboard that I can just kind of put on top to hold it there, and then it just covers the screen. So it can still breathe, it's not going to restrict air movement or anything. It's not going to make it hotter, but I will kind of effectively block out that screen. Or we could just put it in the other room and then use a telescope to view it when you're using yeah. it. And then as soon as you take your eyes That's away from idea. the telescope, it's not going to bother you. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> so before we uh, get to our break here, um, and by the way, for those who sent in feedback and stuff, I might have lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's It's not a good situation on email right now. Uh, let's talk a little bit here before we take our break, David, and uh, hit up on the other big subject we wanted to experience before we recorded the show, and that is uh, Mario Run on iOS. It actually dropped a day early. Uh, mm-hmm. We were expecting it, I believe, on Thursday, but it dropped Wednesday. Yeah. And it, did you download it? Did you have you played it? I, I did. I haven't actually bought all the levels yet. I've just played the, the free stuff you get. Um, I'm... I'm well, I was a bit annoyed to start with because I downloaded it and then the first time you fire it up, 
it kind of bombards you with all these questions about accounts and this that and the other i was a bit nonplussed by all that and i was traveling at the time I, I so i found it yeah so i just kind of went oh and i kind of put it to one side till i got home uh, and then when i got home um i was struggling to download all the data because of my appalling internet connection and my son's newfound addiction with world of warships which is um, made this on your ipad or iphone this was on both. The problem is, I was I was going uh, I was going through my Wi-Fi connection when I got home, and um, basically I just couldn't get all the data downloaded. This game, my son's got it needs to download about ten gigs of data before it start working. Oh. And when he start when he starts it downloading, it basically saturates our connection, and nobody can do anything else. Yeah. And so I had to get, keep going to download. Anyway, I finally got it going, um, and uh, yeah, I really like it. It's a fun game. Uh, is it the world's most amazing Mario game ever? Um, perhaps i haven't found that yet i just there are parts of it i find a bit confusing and maybe that's because i haven't played mario for a few years but there seems to be an awful lot of stuff going on um to do with the coins and sometimes there's pink coins and all this sort of thing and i'm just kind of thinking what what what's what's all this about i it doesn't seem to be as simple as I was expecting it to be but maybe that's my expectation but it certainly i mean it is it's the best looking Mario game I've ever played and um, it's fun and it's it's pretty simple to pick up and play. Um, I, I, I guess the downside is that because it is pick up and play, the levels are all very short and you do have this kind of, because you can only run in one direction, you do keep running past things and thinking, oh, I wish I could turn around and go and yep. explore up there. Yep. And you, of course you can't because... In a traditional Mario game, that was kind of part of the gameplay. You you went through the level once and you kind of finished it, but then you went back again. You start trying to find all the hidden areas, and this you kind of have to do that by going through the level over and over and if again. You miss and, it by one yeah. second. Too bad. You got to start over. So it's kind of uh, it needs a mental adjustment to figure out how to play it. But I mean, it, it certainly is. Um, it certainly is a great game, and. Um, you know, it, it definitely is. It definitely is Mario. It's definitely Nintendo. Um, I, I just, and maybe our expectations are slightly higher than they should have been for it. Well, I, I have to say, and it doesn't make for the best podcast when you don't have any kind of conflict or anything. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with every single thing you said. I was annoyed by all the sign in, sign in crap right at the beginning. Uh, yeah. Now I had to, I had to pull up my Dropbox on my phone because I couldn't remember what email address and what my password is for my Nintendo account. And then it turns out it doesn't want your email address. It wants the account name itself. That wasn't <laughs> obvious. Uh, I, it finally linked. And when you get multiple iOS machines on your account linked in with the Nintendo stuff, your progress is the same across the board. I don't know right. why you need the Nintendo services to do that because Apple's will do that anyways. Yeah. But, of course, as we know, they're just gathering data. Yeah. Uh, the gameplay, it's fun. The controls are too simplistic, in my opinion. I do want to turn around and get stuff because I've been playing Mario games since, psh, what, 1980-something? 89? No, probably, yeah, 80, 85? Yeah, 1985. Yeah. I... I, I that's the brilliance of a Mario game. There's, it's so deep. There's so many more things to discover. You know, this yeah. game just doesn't have that depth. Well, I think the stuff is there. 
it's just finding a way to access it is non-intuitive. Right. And it's, uh, it's I, Mario's I, never been twitchy based and this is twitchy yeah. based and it feels like it's a game compromised on purpose. We're going to make well, an endless yeah. runner that's not endless because you get to the end of the level. We're going to take away uh, the subtle controls that you're used to and that other games on iOS use very well. And we're just going to make it so you can play it with your thumb, one finger, and that's it. Which sounds, I guess, maybe in a design meeting, okay, well you could play this one with one. That's the big selling point. You could play it with one finger. Yeah, but it's Mario. You're supposed to be able to turn around and get some coins that you just missed. You you know, I I don't I don't appreciate the game for what it is because I keep wanting it to be something it's not. Does yeah. that make sense? No, it, I I think that that kind of does nail the point down. Interesting enough, I, I read an interview the other day. Apparently, this is the first Mario game since Galaxy that Miyamoto was personally involved in. Um, now, he is the king of level design uh, and all the hidden stuff and everything. So I can only imagine the hidden stuff is there, but the game mechanic makes it so hard to find, exactly. so yep. hard to a access, yep. that it kind of becomes almost like, you know, what's the point? The problem is, is that if you have to memorize each level, um, that's fine because that's what a Mario game is about, is, is memorizing a level. But because it's, it's not... Uh, it's not kind of a mental map in your head. It's basically it's basically trying to remember when or oh, have to press this this way here and this way here to get to the the stuff. It's just not intuitive. Right. You, it's easy, far easier to remember kind of a map in your head than it is to remember. Oh, you know, uh, kind of almost like a timing or rhythm based thing where here I need to press this type of thing. And as I say, the frustration is you miss it and it's quite easy to miss because that's part of the challenge of these games and that's it it's gone and then you've got to start the level again um and that is that feels like a grind it's always very frustrating when you with any sort of platformer where you know if there's a pixel perfect thing you have to do and if you miss it you die and you've got to start again or and there's some people that are completionists again. when it comes to the mario games you know i can get every single coin on every single level well, guess what? Yeah. You can't. It's physically impossible to get every single coin on every level in this game because there's parts that you have a choice right at the beginning. You can yeah. go up here and get these coins, or you can go down and get these coins, but you can't turn around to go get the ones that you're not you, you didn't choose. Yeah, and, and so it's, and it's the, a little yeah. frustrating. The other issue with that, of course, is that without doing all of that, the game is very short. Yeah, I mean those introductory levels. I play through those in about ten minutes. Mm -hmm. So. Playing through the entire game without going through and doing all that's going to take me what a couple of hours, yeah. maybe two, three hours, depending on how good I am. Well, at that point, you, you you could almost be done with it if you don't want to go back and start trying to memorize the taps and all of that. And you know, this is an expensive game for two, three hours of play. Yeah. Now there are two other modes in the game. You can, as you collect coins and stuff on the levels, you can use that to build up your little castle village thing. Which yeah, well that that was the stuff I just. I didn't understand that, and I looked at. I, it, I, it I have no it's interest not very in doing deep. that. It's not very yeah. deep, and it's cut, it's kind of shallow, and it's like, why do I care about this? It doesn't add anything to the gameplay. It doesn't give me any more special abilities. It doesn't do anything except it's there. And then the rally stuff, which is you're basically racing against opponents, and but but you're it's not just a race because it doesn't really matter who finishes first. It's who gets more coins. And style points. So you do special jumps, which is just double tapping the screen. 
at certain points to make them do a flip or spin or it, it's it's really shallow. Well, and, again, and they it's, both it's, feel tacked on. It, it it's it's random players off the internet yep. who you see as a, a kind of a gray ghost. Yeah, it doesn't use game center. So you're not competing against competing against people you know. That's right. Because I was um, looking for Michael Breed or Rich Lefko yeah. or Donnie Yankelo. I was looking for people that I know that I'm already connected to on Game Center. That you know, yeah. I, I could brag to them that I got a better score than they did. But no, nope, can't do that because it's through Nintendo's thing and it seems to be randomized. As I as I said, it it that mode sounded to me like an excuse for enforcing the always always connected issue yeah it's like oh we've got to do that because toad rally requires it and it's like well yeah but you could have done the game without that mode or had it optional turned it off and and here we go my son's downloading this game and i wasn't able to play because i couldn't connect to the servers yep. even after i downloaded all the data i tried again last night and he turned this download on again because it's 10 gig it's going to take forever um and i because i couldn't connect to the servers uh, i couldn't play mm-hmm. so um for a game that's so simple and could run so easily just in memory, it, it's a very artificial restriction that's annoying. Yep. You know? So there, and again, there's definitely it, issues with this game. I think David and I both agree that it's not a perfect game. It's definitely Mario. It's not the Mario we really want. And I hope that the the feedback Nintendo gets is this is a really a good, if not fantastic, first step into mobile where we know you don't really want to be. We know this. We, you don't really want to be on the phone. Yeah. Again, that same Miyamoto interview uh, I talked about, he made a comment there that I think underscores exactly what Nintendo's attitude to this is. He was asked, would we ever see Super Mario Brothers on the iPhone? He said, no. Um, he said, I don't think we could get the controls right. Okay, that's one problem. Um, but more more importantly, and I think this, this underscores it, he said, besides which, if we did it, everyone would complain that, well, that it was too expensive and then we, we should have offered it for free. Mm. And that's that's their issue right there, is that they haven't got the guts to put a game out a at the same price game. it is. Yeah, put yep. it same at same price as it is on the 3DS. Make it the world's... Uh, frankly, I'd rather I see... I don't know if it's the guts on their end, David. I I, well, I think they've got a point. I think the people that are so far buying games on iOS and Android are used to getting free stuff. And it is a huge struggle for somebody like Nintendo or Microsoft or Sony or Naughty Dog or Blizzard to put premium content that's fairly priced to compensate them for such a great game on those platforms. I well, I, I don't blame them for that. I, I think that Disney's a prime example. They 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 come out with a premium game for the Apple TV and they had to kill it because nobody was freaking buying yeah, it or playing it. You know what? The Apple TV is I, I think was a niche. I agree. And still but is a niche. I think that I the think same people the are only the only companies in the world who are ever going to change that model are companies like Nintendo mm-hmm. with a property like Mario. I agree. And I'd, That's I'd where like the to see them, comes in. Yeah, I'd like to see them have the courage you know take something that's a little bit different i mean i wouldn't do super mario brothers for instance i would take the galaxy games then the super mario galaxy game on uh on the on the wii is one of the best mario games of all time and i would take that yeah it would be fantastic 
on a you know you've got tilt controls there as well so you could do something funky with the controls if you wanted to and i would pay 30 40 dollars for a game like yep. that on the ipad yep. if it was if it was as big and as rich and as deep as it is on the wii yep you know i agree i i'm 100 with you on that so let's take a quick break uh we'll drop in a a, a new ad from uh guy and gaz for the my mac podcast and last warning when we come back we are spoiling Rogue One. We're going to talk about it uh, extensively. So we'll be right back. Everybody, please stand by to stand by. And, uh, well, we'll be right back. And welcome, everyone, back to the MyMac.com podcast. All right, so so, so let's, um, let's carry on. But I'm still laughing about something that happened just before we started recording. And we're going to talk about that right now i don't know if you you heard guy but sal <laughs> sal's to going did you know that yeah i heard that <laughs> he's leaving apple it's a tragedy for everybody <laughs> oh dear this is not going well is it we are so childish we are. Really are. It's the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. You're letting her keep it. Would you like to know the probability of her using it against you? It's high. Let's get going. It's very high. And, of course, that little soundbite right there is from what we're going to discuss for the rest of this episode once again, spoilers galore. If you don't want to know what happens in Rogue One, don't listen beyond this point. Because we're going to spoil it. And, uh, yeah, it's... <sighs> okay, David. I'm, I'm going to say right, right here at the beginning. And, by the way, I did invite Eric Diaz to come on for this segment to talk about it. Because he's been freaking out about this movie on Facebook yeah. since he's seen it. Uh, unfortunately, he had something else he had to do, so he couldn't. <laughs> Did he have to go see Rogue One again? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I actually let him in on uh, something that I've been thinking about for a while now, possibly starting up a once a month or once every six weeks extended podcast that's a Star Wars podcast because mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that for a while. It's It's been my oh, passion so since I was seven years old. Yeah. And there's a lot more material now. They're, they're going to be doing a movie every year. So exactly. there's always going to be old stuff to talk about and new stuff to talk about. I don't so. want to do, I, I don't have the time or the inclination to do a weekly or even a bi-weekly show, but maybe once a month would be okay. Yeah. Uh, and have different people on. We could do that. Chad would probably like to do that. You, we could get people like Eric Diaz. That'd be fun. Yeah, it would be. I'm down for that. I'm me too. Um, let's, let's talk about Rogue One, David. I, let me start by saying my favorite Star Wars movie of all time, unsurprisingly, and most Star Wars fans are probably the same as me, is Empire Strikes Back. Right. It was brilliant on every level. It took characters that were established and put them in a very bleak situation. Yeah, it and, did. And the movie I... didn't end fun. Han is no. captured... Luke's had his hand chopped off. You find out Vader is his father, or is he? We don't know. We'll find out for sure in the next movie. But he, yeah, it sounds like he really is. And yeah. it, it's not a, it. The Empire wins at the end of Empire Strikes Back. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is the thing. I mean, it really captured the futility in some respects of the rebellion that after a massive victory, uh, you know, a huge victory against the empire, you know, after in the first movie, I mean, in the old serials, I'd be like, that's it. Well, you know, we destroyed their, their big, big thing. It's just mopping up now. And then we turn out, no, absolutely not. That these guys are on the ropes at the start of the film. Uh, and they just get no matter how hard they fight they get progressively more on the ropes as time goes on yep. um you know it, it, it was a a very bold direction they took the series and it was brilliant and it was critically yeah. acclaimed by everybody and it and to this day most people will say true star wars fans it's still the best yeah after that to me was always a new hope the first one and then a year ago when a force awakens came out that became my number three movie i yeah. i really liked a new hope i thought it was great i really did yes i understood they brought a lot of the themes and and the plot of the movie from the original but i understood why they did that it made perfect sense of course they did that it's it's the beginning of a new star wars trilogy and probably multiple trilogies and they have to introduce new characters and sprinkle in the old ones. They have to use um, the memory berries. Also, well, there is this undertone through the whole Star Wars saga. I'm talking about the main saga now of this cycle of you know the same thing happening over and over again in different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think I think I think it goes back to some of the mysticism that underpins these movies is the Force as a as a binding element and and people being driven in certain directions by their interactions with it. And and the the fact that things repeat over and over again, I think, is part of a part of the ethos of the universe that's, that's never directly stated, but but to me, I've always felt it's there. So we know the original movie. We yep. know that the rebels have got the plans to the Death Star, and that it was a victory for them to get these plans. But there's a lot of things, a lot of plot holes. Like, okay, this this kid in an X-Wing, blows up the entire Death Star because he gets it right into this one little port. Seriously, the Empire was so incompetent, they made this one little port that could blow up the entire station. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that always kind of sat a little like, yeah, I don't know. That's but, a little... Yeah, I, we always let it slide. Yep. First of all, because it was a great kind of concept and a, and a real um, fantastic way to build the challenge of the final act of the movie. Exactly. You know, there's this massive thing the size of a moon and they had to find this tiny little point point and in fact you can't just come straight in you have to come down this trench the whole thing seems so improbable and everything that you kind of buy it because it is so improbable and let's not forget this is an this is an empire we're seeing who builds these tiny fast but completely um you know explosion laden fighters yep. you know you can't just see oh hang on you have those massive star destroyers so why do you make the fighters so weak um and then the, these guys as well who have armor that apparently makes makes they means they can't shoot straight and despite the armor they get they get blown blown down by one shot to the chest right. and then they build a station that has these massive thousand foot drops and they don't even bother putting handrails around them and so all of that together you kind of buy it the empire as being you know okay you know it's all about style and perhaps not about substance and i think given that you can kind of think oh well maybe they missed the idea that if you actually made the, the death star backfire it would blow up right <laughs> so rogue one 
let's be honest, it's it's the first of what we know is going to be many standalone Star Wars movies. Yeah. Personally, going into this movie, I didn't have high expectations. I thought from the trailers, it's going to be entertaining. I'm going to like it. It's going to have some Star Wars nostalgia. Uh, it's not going to be a trilogy film. It's a standalone film. I'm probably really going to like it. And if I'm lucky, it will come in probably in my favorite list. It'll probably be the trilogies as far as the, the episode one, two, and three. But it, it probably will fall somewhere between, you know, the prequels and Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. Let me say right now, David, it's neck and neck with Empire. Yeah, this I'm, may may yeah. may be the best Star Wars film ever made. If not, it's just losing out to Empire because I've seen Empire for so many times and I love that movie so much. And I can't say anything yeah. disparaging about it. But wow, was I blo- this is this was so impressive. I, I, I think that's that's where I'm coming from as an achievement. While, while this film does have some problems and flaws, like many films do, um, and there are, I mean, it's pretty well known now that there were some extensive reshoots, mm-hmm. and there are a couple of areas where you could they they stick out like a sore thumb. But having said that, I think um, as an achievement, this is this shows that um, Disney uh, Lucasfilm under Disney knows exactly what they're doing. And they have pulled off really something quite incredible with this movie, which is to take something that's that's probably one of the most iconic um, pop uh, culture references in history, yeah, and done something new with it in a way that works and stands on its own two feet, uh, and and really is in some respects I think a better movie than some of the ones that have come before, as you say. And here's you know, the thing: this Rogue One makes A New Hope a better movie. Oh, Think absolutely. Think about that for just a minute. Don't yeah. just gloss over that, David. Yeah. This movie makes A New Hope a better movie. You really... Okay, you understand the flaw in the Death Star. The guy who designed it built that flaw into it. Yeah. He that built that... Yeah. Yeah, he... And he, he did it over 15 years yep. because he hated the Empire so much and what they'd done to him, and he was playing a long game. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, he, so he helped brilliant. them. To, and I, I mean, there's a very clear undercurrent as well that the fact, you know, they talk about the delays all the time. Obviously, at the end of the of the final prequel movie, we see the beginning of the Death Star. And then you're thinking, what, it took them 20 years to build that thing? Uh, and you, you realize one of the reasons is because this guy was there and he was obviously doing everything he could to slow it down while at the same time looking like he was helping. Yep. Um, you know, and, and yeah, it's, it's a great concept. It's a great idea. And then to tie that into directly into the into the main movies into the into the um, the main flow of the saga movies without stepping at all on it the saga itself. It complements. Yeah, you know what? I I came up with this and I thought, you know what? This is the movie that George Lucas should have made instead of the prequel movies. Yes. Yeah. Frankly, could, well, for, Lucas yeah. can't make this movie. He never no, could. No, but he he well he if he'd have had the vision, he could have done. What he could have done is said he didn't have the talent to make this. Yeah, well, the, yes, I I probably agree with you. He would he 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 had he was focused on different things, 
But, you know, um, he was surrounded by smart people and that smart people should have said to him, you know what? Nobody's in, nobody's interested. We've we've told the story of Darth Vader in these movies already. We've given him a redemption arc. Nobody sees needs to see three movies about how he came to be who he is. Stop rubbing that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? People are interested in where the rebellion came from and how yep. the rebellion came to be where it is, because that's a much more interesting story. And of course, it's a much more interesting. I want to see more of it with, with the, rebe- the rebellion now. Yeah. I want I want to know the politics of the different people who make up the rebellion. They're clearly not all aligned in the same way. They cl- A lot of them look like they've been kind of roped into it and just don't think it's a winnable war. Yeah, I want to understand what it takes to keep that together and to um, and and to build that alliance and who's in the alliance and what what are they doing and how do you stop them from turning themselves into the empire and and, and presumably the empire have agents in there as well. There's a whole load of stuff you could do, different types of movies you could do because what's great about this is this is like is this is like um, Saving Private Ryan or the big red one, or all of those great... It's like the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, those fantastic, gritty war movies, you know. And that's what um, this is. This is a war movie. This is not a heist movie. This is a war movie. This is like the Guns of Navarone. Yes. This is, um, you know, a, a plucky band of people doing something in desperate times, whatever the cost, because they know it's the right thing to do, because otherwise the evil empire wins. And it's got all of that to it, and you know what? They don't... Whether they did before the reshoots or not, they don't shy away from the consequences of that, and they give it some emotional weight as a result. You know, I there's some characters that stand out more than others. Yeah. And while you're halfway through this film, you're thinking, you know what? They're this is so good. They're gonna they're going to definitely make a Rogue Two or something because yeah. everybody's gonna want to see Donnie Yen's character again everyone's going to love um what is he K2SO K2SO who yeah. just simply steals every single scene he's in yeah it's so good uh Jin she's good you start liking her character more as time goes on um Cassie and Andor mm. this guy is the ultimate rebel he's doing things he doesn't want to do he's killing people in back alleys Simply because he knows this guy is weak. He's going to give away the secrets. He has to be taken care of. He doesn't want to do it. He has to do it. Yeah. And it's so good. I mean, it's just, it's brilliant on every level. And there are consequences. Again, if you haven't seen this movie, you shouldn't listen to this. (laughs) Everyone dies <laughs> this is a disney a lucasfilm star wars movie where every hero that you see that you follow through <laughs> is dead at the and, end and you know what anybody with half a brain watching this movie is thinks is thinking to yourself there's no way all of these guys are going to make it because yeah. because you know you know you re- but but the the cheap way out would have been to kill off one of them make everyone else cry over his body and then them come back and go, no, it's for him and we're going to win for him. And then them all survive uh, and, you know, kind of have a drink to him at the end because that's the way movies are done nowadays. And instead, you know, as I said, the rumor is this was done in the reshoots. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't care because it was, uh, yeah, you know what? It was perfect. 
Well, it, it, it was and it wasn't. I I do accept a criticism. This is something that, that kind of I felt and then I read afterwards and, and I kind of agreed with some people that for some of these characters, you wanted to know more about them before they died because that would have given their deaths a little bit more weight. So, you know, the, some of the introductions, I, I think the first 20, 25 minutes of the movie is... a. It, it feels a little bit perfunctory and at some points it's confusing because you're introduced to so many people so quickly um, and they all kind of look dirty and grimy and whatever. It's sometimes hard to figure out who is who in the first five, 10 minutes. I didn't have um, that problem at all. Well, I, I did. I went with my son and, and he, he was, he was struggling really to keep up with who it was. And he said to me afterwards, he said, I, I, I thought the first 15 minutes were a bit confusing and I kind of agreed with him. Once it got its stride, it was okay. But you know, the power um, of this movie is, Rewatching it, knowing well, that all these characters are going to die. Yeah, Rachel, my oldest daughter, met us at the theater and saw it with us. It was me, Chad Perry, uh, Brooke and Cole, and Rachel met us there. And Rachel had already seen it once, and she was tearing up. Yeah, at the end because she knows what's coming. These characters that you, some of them, you fall in love with immediately. And yeah. you want to know more about them, but you know what? You don't have time to, to go into depth on these characters because the plot is moving along and things need to get done. And you, you know enough to like the character and to have an emotional reaction when they eat it at the end. I, I Yeah, I just found myself thinking that, you know, maybe if they'd have had this vision to start with about killing everyone off the end, the movie could have been screwed. It wouldn't have taken much, but maybe another five, ten minutes of scenes I, with I, I don't think some so. of these other characters. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't need any more for any one of those characters to, to like them any more than I already did. I really didn't. Okay, well, we don't always agree. That's, that's true. That's, I, I would have liked to have seen more of them. Um, I, I kind of hope that in future anthology but movies... here's the thing. You want to see more of these characters... Again. That says something about the film itself. When all oh, it these does. characters die, and yeah. you want, oh my God, I want more of those characters. Doesn't that kind of lend more to the weight of their death that you wanted to see more, but you don't get that, the chance because they're dead? That's certainly true. Uh, and and lest anybody who's, who's thought, oh, well, I don't care about the spoilers, I'm going to listen to this, thinks, oh, they're dead, but maybe they're not dead. No, they're dead. They're no, kind they're of dead. vaporized. They're vaporized, turned to ash dead. Yes. Um, even the, the ones that aren't killed in the Death Star shooting the city and killing them, the ones that aren't dead yet, the other people who have already died are still there. They're dead now, too. Absolutely. They're all yeah. vaporized and completely. Again, this was, this was again, I, a concept I'd never thought about is what happens if you use the Death Star, but you don't turn it up to 100%. Right. Yeah. That I, I thought the fact that they went that way was, was a fabulous that introduction. That first shot where they destroy that Jedi city jendu or jedu jedda yeah that city exploding and mountain ranges and cliffs and all this just falling down and raining everywhere and the ship getting out of there just in the nick of time was brilliant but then they pulled back from that and you see this cloud of debris Breaking the atmosphere and heading a little bit towards the Death Star looks yeah. so freaking awesome. I was like, and, and, Holy yeah, and it's crap. clear that, that even turned down to one, this thing, this thing is, is... is going to lay waste the entire planet. Yes. You know, that shockwave's not going to stop. Um, and it really does underscore because uh, limitations of 70s technology, but yeah. 
no, when when you saw Alderaan blow up, it was kind of like it was a bit it was a bit weak, really. Oh know? sure, absolutely. Yeah, it, it kind of glowed red, and then there was a few sparks, and then it was gone. Um, this 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 movie really illustrates you how terrifying the weapon a weapon the Death Star was. Yeah, uh, in all was meant to be in the movies. And uh, well, think yeah, about was... think about Jin saves that little girl. Yeah, who's gonna die anyways? Think about yeah. that. She dies anyways because they shoot that planet and blow up that city and that little girl that she saved is there. She's dead. Yeah. I this mean, is, it's horrible. You know what? I'm sure that JJ Abrams saw those shots from this movie and thought, well, here's, here's something I got wrong with the force awakens because there was no weight to the death of no. all those people from Starkiller planet. You're it right. basically was a McGuffin. Um, and this, this turned the biggest MacGuffin ever into something that was kind of epically frightening. Um, and, uh, yeah, it really, really pulled it off. There's just a couple of things that I wish they pulled off better. And, and for me, what really stuck out as the failure of this movie is using, um, CGI for Peter Cushing as Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I gotta I say, was, I'm a little I, with you there. I, he looks I was fake. Right in, right in the uncanny Valley. As soon as he showed up. Yep. It's like it was like you know, you know what you really should have gone with a lookalike yep. somebody who can act rather than the CGI because it he it just looked like we were watching uh, cutscenes from a video game when heavy he was yep. on the screen yeah and yeah. same with Princess Leia at the end yeah you know what that was a short shot I could have lived with that if that was the only one but you know um, they thought they could pull that off and they but just Tarkin is a central character in this movie and yeah he gets probably a good ten minutes of screen time. He gets, gets more t- screen time than Darth Vader does. Well, he gets more screen time than he did in the originals. The, the CGI <laughs> talking gets more screen time than the real one. Peter Cushing wasn't in the original movie as much as he is in this one. They were obviously very, very proud of what they pulled off. But you know what? It is the uncanny valley. It's, it's 95% of the way there, but that 5% just gives it all the way. I would say it's more like 2%. But yeah, it's. I wish they would have just simply got a different actor that looked a whole lot like him and maybe even CGI just a little bit of him to make him look a little bit more like Cushing. Yeah. But the voice was spot on. Yeah, it was, it was a very good impression, Yeah, but, um, uh, that, that, that's easy to achieve. than it is to make a, a CGI robot. Did, uh, Carrie Fisher do the voice for Princess Leia in this? Believe she did. Yes. Uh, let me see. Carrie. she She was definitely thanked in the credits. So, um, I, I presume she did, but, um, yeah. And then, and then they, yeah, you know, it just they says, start... I don't know if she did or not because it says thanks to a uh, couple people, Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher. So I, I don't know, maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. I'd like to know yeah. it's inconsequential, but I still kind of want to know, you know, one of my problems with the, the prequels was they took who I thought was one of the ultimate bad guys in movie history. And they made him into a plushy toy. Lucas. Uh, Jar Jar Binks. You mean? No. Jar Jar, <laughs> Jar Jar was terrible, but Lucas almost ruined Darth Vader. Yeah. They, he really did. He took a character that we grew up with loving for how bad he was and made him less. No, no they, The Force Awakens yeah, they, did a little bit of, oh, here's this guy, and he he kind of worships his grandfather, and he wants to continue the bad things his grandfather did. And you get a little bit of that, but 
yeah, you know, Lucas kind of, he tried really hard to ruin Vader. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, the no. first movie... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, well, he, 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 well, Lucas has this thing about whiny little kids. <laughs> I mean, Luke Skywalker was a whiny little kid in the yep. first movie. And, you know, clearly this is, in my view, this is Lucas playing out his own childhood. Yeah. He was obviously a whiny little kid. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, whiny little kid comes good, or whiny little kid becomes, you know, darkest lord in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think that's what he—that's what he was doing again. And the problem is, those whiny little kids are not attractive characters. No. Um, and yes, he—he he took three movies to show how an annoying whiny little kid turned into an arrogant big kid, uh, and then to then was confused to be the biggest idiotic putts in history um to become darth vader i mean you know it wasn't it wasn't remotely noble and and it certainly didn't make him come across as evil it was there was never any motivation for for him doing what he did and the problem is in the original movies it was perfectly clear that kind of the whole darth vader scenario was kind of tacked on and added on to afterwards from the original movie and the problem is because the limitations of the special effects in the original movie that key fight between darth vader and obi-wan kenobi is is it yeah it's it's a little bit weak he doesn't really come across as a badass right because you know in this movie he has a scene where it's like holy crap no wonder the entire galaxy is that's what i was getting at that the last 10 minutes of the movie is unbelievable and the last 10 minutes of this movie is the first 10 minutes of a new hope (laughs) they literally go right from and it's basically, it's the it's the uh, opening crawl of New Hope, the text it crawl. It absolutely in, is in live action. Yes. Yeah. Because you see, Darth Vader. Look, they, they well, they beam some. They they uploaded some plans. It's it's on that ship now. Yeah. Should should we target that ship? No, Lord Vader will do it. No, yeah. Lord Vader will handle it personally. And then yeah. you see, Vader's ship, or a shuttle, with some Tie Fighters approaching the rebel ships and you see a very similar scene but now it's it's black hallways instead of gleaming white ones on the Carillion corvette yeah where they just got the plans they put it on the portable disc they're trapped in this yeah. hallway they can't get out you hear the same kind of sounds like there's a hull breach yeah and you're expecting the stormtroopers like in the first movie to come rushing in except that's not what happens you hear yeah. vader you hear that voice or that uh yeah and then he um, lights that lightsaber in the dark and it yep. bathes him in red in the whole hallway. And you're like, oh, shit, it's on. And yep. he rips through these rebels using the force and his lightsaber like you always wanted to see. You're just like, this is, oh, my God, that I, is Darth yeah. Vader right and I, there. And I, I felt... I felt, I mean, one thing I felt for this entire movie is that this movie wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the quality of some of the spin-off stuff. I agree. You know, they, the, uh, you know, the, what they now call the extended universe because they've said none of it is canon until they choose to choose it to be. Yeah. But there was, there was some, you know, while there was a lot of bad Star Wars writing, there was some great Star Wars writing and some of the video games were really good. And I really liked, um, what's it called the one with the uh the apprentice in yeah the, um, um, the force unleashed yes the yeah. vader in that was awesome exactly and i i looked i saw that and i thought oh somebody 
somebody was inspired by the Force yeah. Unleashed here because this is the Darth Vader you want to yes. see. And, and you know, when when the Corellian Corvette unhooks from the main ship, undocks, and takes off, and Vader's standing there in in the wreckage, and it opened a space, and he's just standing yeah. there. And the atmosphere is kind of fluttering his cape, and he's just standing yeah. there looking at it. You're like, that is right out of a video game in the best possible sense. It was yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. And then they hand the plans to Leia, and she turns around. And you're like, oh, my God, it's Princess Leia. Oh, my God. She's yeah. And you realize she's in the Carillion Corvette right now. Vader yeah. is right on her tail. All he's going to have to do is go back to his Star Destroyer and go after it. And you know he's going to catch her. Yeah. And and the plans go from the planet up to the rebel ship. One guy gets it, hands it to another guy. That guy runs, hands it. I think he hands it off again. Yeah. They get it to the Carillion Corvette and hand it to Princess Leia, who you know is going to put it in R2-D2 and shoot him out towards Tatooine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Yeah. So there's yeah. nothing about this movie that I didn't like. I thought the pacing was spot on. I liked how they showed you new planets. And there was a couple surprise planets. I liked the fact that Vader was kind of in a meditation healing chamber thing. And it's on the same planet where he, Obi-Wan, cut him in half, basically. Yeah. That was kind of cool. I liked how they gave that little bit of a nod. I liked the fact that they're in the city and she bumps into a guy and he goes, Hey, watch where you're going. I'm wanted, yeah. and the Walrus Man is there too. And you're like, oh my, oh, oh yeah. yeah. And yeah, and then and then you think, oh well, they got off. They got they got off somehow. They, yeah, but they but they got off the planet before it got blown up. It is, and you know the next <laughs> place they're going is Tatooine, Tatooine. and yeah. they got to go there within a week or so. Yeah. Um. There's one little bit of a cheesy thing that Vader. Let me let me play that real quick. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations, Director. A little bit cheesy, Ch- uh, uh, David. I almost said Chad because I saw the movie with Chad. You were, you know what? Yeah, it. It fits Vader kind of, though. It, yeah, it's stuck. Well, it. It kind of stuck out as something that had been put in there. And I don't think it does fit Vader, actually. I think Vader does not need to make puns um, because, you know, he is completely and utterly badass. He would he would absolutely choke him to teach him a lesson, but I don't think he would make the pun. Um, and in A New Hope, he chokes somebody, but he doesn't, uh, you know, it's much the line in A New Hope where he chokes the guy and says, I find your lack of faith disturbing is much, is a much better line than making a cheesy, you know, choking joke. Um, yeah, but it was just the two of them. I know, but even so, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, I mean, making a joke implies a sense of fun. And I think one thing we know about Vader is he's not really a fun sort of guy. Yeah, that's not the kind of pun he was doing though. He I just know, wanted to remind this guy, I, I understand your ambitions, know your place. And he I, does I, it very it, effectively. It, it it didn't work. That one didn't work so well for me. But um, it wasn't perfect. You know. But I I kind of liked it. Be- and that was simply because I wanted more Vader. And but well, th- well, when that it. happens, you don't get to see badass Vader yet. Yeah, I you know I'd like I'd like to see a a, a standalone Vader movie. I'd like to see him yeah, hunting down hunting down Jedi across the galaxy. Now, do you uh, think they get Hayden Christensen to play the role? I think he could do it. If he's up for a lot of makeup and, 
you know, having look, Hayden Christian can actually act really well. He doesn't have to sound whiny. Yeah, uh, he, yeah, I mean, he he was he was very definitely hobbled by the script. So I think everybody and, was and George Lucas, his yeah. direction is just terrible. Yeah, and he didn't have uh, the experience at that point to to really show off his acting chops, in spite of George Lucas's direction, which Harrison Ford did have, which Carrie Fisher did have. So, I think he would I do th- a good job. I would have no objections. No, I think I think the thing is they're going to do a Vader movie. They need to do it while James Earl Jones is still around to do the voice. I agree. It has um, to be James Earl Jones. There's some does. good impressions out there. Some that you don't even know. Is that him? I, I can't tell. But yeah, we want James Earl Jones. Uh, and, you know, he's no spring chicken, so... No. Uh, Although, we... honestly, at this point, if they never revisit Darth Vader in the movies again, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I, I think the problem is, obviously, is that you, you run the risk of... Um, if you're going to do an anthology movie, you will probably don't want it too close to the... So the mate, mind you, they're doing a Han Solo movie, so I don't know. I'm not sure, but um, but you know, certainly, yeah, Rogue One is a great, great Star Wars movie. It really Uh, is. In some respects, it's a shame. I don't think it's going to do as well as as Force Awakens did, Um, and I I think that's a a slight disservice to the movie because it's going to suffer by comparison. But it is a great, great film. It really is. So let's let's wrap this up by uh who is your favorite character in this movie uh i would say it's a toss-up for me between um k2so the the robot who i i have to say my son that was absolutely his favorite he i i I think um uh, k2so pretty much steals every scene he's in um and uh certainly his characterization was the best there was something very cool about a flippant sarcastic kind of hating everybody kind of robot except for except for his owner it kind of um, reminded me of uh the one robot in uh uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy actually yeah except yeah. he's not super pessimistic no he's well he's he is pessim- he is pessimistic but it's kind of in the, in the yeah in the it's service in of others of, of his master yeah, and, and also it's a, it's kind of um you know, I recognize how ridiculous everything we do is. And you know what? I'm an expert in this and we should not be surviving this. And yet we keep doing, uh, I think that in itself is, 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 uh, it added something to the droid and the fact that, you know, he's not an expert in flying ships and doing all the things he's doing. He's, he's actually a strategy expert. And yet nobody ever asks him about the strategy is, it was kind of very cool. Um, yeah, it was, and, and, they they built this very nice kind of antagonistic relationship between him and Jin, which which I liked as well. But of course, I, for me, the other standout character is um, is the the blind, um, you know, crystal protector. Imui or something like that. That's right. And that was one of the things that kind of did annoy me about the movies. I find it really hard to catch all these weird names right. they give for everybody. I, I, I'm, I'm with you the, at the same thing. He was. Yeah, I, I'm with you on the, exactly the same thing. For me, it was K2SO. He was my favorite, followed very closely by the blind guy and the gunner. That The, the pairing of those two. I mean, the yeah. one he takes out all those stormtroopers by himself, and then a, no, a whole other friggin' brigade starts charging him, and you're like, oh, he's going down now. And then his buddy with the automatic, and just takes him, you almost hit me. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that... Um they owe the the writers and and developers of the movie owe a very big credit to james gunn with the um teaming of rocket raccoon and groot for those two because it's the same sort of dynamic but you know what 
if you do it well, it just works. And that that one really works. Really, really worked. So it was a fantastic film. I, yeah. I, I it's going to be one that I watch multiple times. And Eric Diaz said it perfect in a text to me. The moment he got home after watching this, he wanted to pop in a new hope and watch that. I think yeah. from this point on, if you're going to watch new hope, you're going to watch rogue one first and go right into a new hope, just skipping the crawl and everything. It's literally, you see the Carillion Corvette, you see princess Leia smile and then the next scene is the Carillion Corvette being pursued by the Death Star or by the Star Destroyer. It's it goes right into it. You don't need to have a crawl. You don't need it. It's that boom, boom. It's the same continuation of that movie. It's it made A New Hope a better film on every single level. It, on, it made on, it better. Not only, that, not only that as well. I mean, one of the things that always bothered me about A New Hope is that if these plans were so important and the rebels had this huge base with all those fights and everything, where the hell were they for most of the movie? Yep. You know, it's now like, you find so, out. yeah. So princess Leia has escaped with these plans that the, the rebellion are desperate to get. And they just basically leave her tooling around the galaxy, trying to get away from the might of the empire. Uh, and now you understand the reason why is because, you know, they just really took a pasting in um, securing those plans in the first place. And you also find out how, Luke Skywalker became Rogue Five. Yeah, because Rogue, yeah. the original Rogue Five eats oh, it. Oh, sorry, Red movie. Five. A oh, Red, Red Five. five. Sorry, yeah. Red, Red five, five bites it, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. He goes, but again, I need this have... Rogue uh, Rogue Five. I need help but here. They... Ah, and he dies. And you're like, but well, there's have... an opening in the uh, in the squadron now. <laughs> they used the same actors for some of the people from the pilot scenes of um, of A New Hope. They actually used uh, a scene directly. They lifted it directly from it. The, yeah, uh, the one rebel pilot who's overweight. Oh right, Red yeah. Leader, they show it Red, it's yeah, and they pulled it directly from. I actually, I know that scene. I I've watched it 150 times. They pulled it from A New Hope, mm-hmm. but it was it was seamless. It worked perfectly. The way he says it and the way he looks out to the right when he says it, they pulled it from A New Hope. There's no question. It wasn't CGI. They they pulled a plate and used it. You know what? I'm fine with that. It looks, it, it gives you a sense of these are the same guys. These are battle hardened veterans. That's why Princess Leia, like you said, is on her own in this Carillion Corvette. Yeah. So, so let me posit something to you now. In the interest of generating money out of the Star Wars franchise, one of the things that Disney could do is they could take a new hope and they could redo it with all new special effects to bring it up to the same standard as I would have no problem with that because I, at this point, the people that Kathleen Kennedy and these people that they put in charge of the star Wars universe, I think are more receptive to the fans and our expectations rather than selling a new McDonald's toy that Lucas was clearly more interested in doing and the licensing stuff where he was making his billions, mm-hmm. they would do it in a way that would, number one, it would be seamless. It would look normal. Um, and number two, they wouldn't change things for political correctness, like a Steven Spielberg taking guns out of FBI's yeah. hands and replacing or, it with walkie-talkies or, and ET. Or Lucas with, Lucas with hand shot first. Yes. In the special edition. Absolutely. So yeah. if they wanted to go back and 
fix the special effects in all three of the first movies. I think New Hope's the one that needs the most help, to be honest. Yeah, it's the space battle at the end. I mean, you know, they it was amazing for the time, but nowadays it, it doesn't does hold look, up. It no. does look like toys flying over a cardboard yeah. city. It's like, is there really only like 12 of the X-Wings and there's <laughs> only like 12 of the TIE Fighters? That's it? Yeah. Um, if they redid all those scenes and freshened them up at the level of Rogue One, I'd have no problem with it at all. Would you? No, I don't think so. I think I'd like to see that. I, I would uh, definitely. And frankly, even if they went to the um, extent of saying they were going to remake A New Hope with new character, new actors, but the same story, uh, uh, then I would have a problem with. Well, then, then it's then it's then it's a further step. But you know what? If anybody could pull it off, I think this team could pull it off. I agree. I think they could pull it off. I don't want them. They're not ever going to do that, and I don't want them to do that. There's way too many other stories to tell in this universe. This isn't one of the ones they need to retell with new actors simply so they can get more movies from those actors as those characters. That no, I they don't they no, you can't you can't replace Harrison Ford in Star Wars. You just you simply cannot. What what about this Han Solo movie that's coming up? That's not that's not it doesn't it doesn't affect these movies. No, you still have that performance. You can't have someone else doing the same performance. You you just can't. That being said, the idea of fixing the special effects, I have no problem with it at all. None. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't mess with the story itself, they don't mess with the acting, um, I'd have no problem with it. In fact, 10 years from now, I won't have a problem if they go back to Rogue One and fix Peter Cushing and and, uh, and uh, Carrie Fisher's CGI step-ins because they were fake as hell looking to me. <laughs> That's, that's my only criticism of this whole you movie. Know, I really, I really did think at, at one point, it was about probably about uh, 30 seconds into the first scene with the Peter Cushing CDI. I almost thought, you know, he almost looks like um, Supreme Leader Snoke yeah. from The uh, Force Awakens. I yeah. mean, they, they'd overdone like, kind of the, the, the thinness and the hollowness of his cheeks. He almost yeah. looked like a church character of himself. Yes. You know, so it, it wasn't, but, it wasn't great. Yeah. I, it was acceptable for the story, but it does stick out like a sore thumb. That those are the two uh, you know scenes what? I'm just like. Nah. I, I found I found myself thinking it took me out of the movie. Yeah, well that that was the problem. And secondly, I thought narratively, did you actually need to have Tark in there? I think Could so. You, you you wanted to show this other guy brought it to fruition because he's a sociopath, and you almost need a sociopath to build a weapon of mass destruction of the scale, right? Um. And Tarkin was doing other things. He's one of the leaders of the Empire. He can't just, he can't spend his whole time building this thing. But once it's done, okay, I'm taking over now because this thing is badass and I want it. And the other guy who built it, uh, he's going to start whining. He's going to go crying to Vader. Vader's going to tell him to shut the hell up by choking him for a minute. You know, and yeah. this guy's still going to try to weasel his way back in charge. He, he sees an opening. Wait, the rebels are doing what? Oh, I better stop them because they may screw up my plans of getting back in charge of the Death Star. And it's it's his own creation that kills him too. The Death Star yeah. kills him, not one of the rebels. It's the Death Star. He's alive when that beam hits, and he's looking up at it like, oh, yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what's coming, and there's yeah. nothing he can do about it. He knows he's going to eat it. Ah, oh, so yeah. good. I love this movie so mm-hmm. much, man. I really, really do. So let's end this episode of Tech Fan. Uh, we do want to uh, solicit 
your opinions. Send us what you think of the movie. Tell us what you think about uh, my choice for an iMac. What What do you think of Mario Run? All those things, we'd love to get your feedback. Remember, you can get the sticker pack for this show, Tech Fan, on iOS in the App Store, thanks to Donnie Yankalo. It's uh, a, a Tech Fan sticker pack. Uh, it's free. Go, go download it. Check it out. Uh, it doesn't cost you a dime. And, uh, of course, love your feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. Um, please send us feedback. By the time we start getting some, I should have the new iMac up and running and, and we'll be good to go. And, uh, let's, let's end this David with, uh, one of my favorite audio bits that I found online from Rogue One. See you next week, David. See you next week. Did you know that wasn't me? Of course. I thought I told you to stay on the ship. You did, but I thought it was boring and you were in trouble. There are a lot of explosions for two people blending in. You're right. I should just wait on the ship.